Coming to you from the heart in the Northwest, where truly 7 out of 10 queers prefer flannel. It's the Queer Centric with your host, Queerly Johnny. Welcome back to another amazing, because it's always amazing, rendition of the Queer Centric. This must mean it's Tuesday. Because that's when it, it drops. Yeah, that, that checks out. <laughs> right? That's pretty good. Um, and we're very excited. So this is another one of our, our new format shows. We have a lot of exciting people in the room. And I, I think a really good subject matter. People email me all the time about weird stuff. Or not weird, but just deeper issues. And I thought, mm, let's, just, let's just jump into those things. But I do want to welcome to the mic, Corey Fortune. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. We did discover before... Uh, we went on air that this is your 803rd time on the that, show. That's what we think, yeah. Yeah, I think that's about right. What podcast number are we actually on? <laughs> 21. Okay, cool. I know, right? <laughs> that's awesome. Been at this... Uh, oh, well, it's legal. I can drink now. Oh, oh. I, you missed last week's show. <laughs> Wait, we I had a nice was... little toast with some wine. <laughs> I thought it was 20. I'm off. We would have to... Right, 21, yeah. We'll have to like ship you some wine so that you can toast with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, Corey, a member of this amazing community that we have, uh, outspoken, not afraid to share your opinion. Uh, we learned uh, for the first time in as long as I've known you that you're a lender. So that's great. I am a lender. You're a lender, and you do great work in the community. And Thank uh, you. So welcome back to the show. We also are excited to welcome special guest uh, Johnny Manuel. Now, he's a recording artist, singer-songwriter. He's been on a ton of shows and been at this since you were 14. Is that right? Is that yeah, right? right? Are you tired? <laughs> I'm just getting started now. Right? I mean, that's a, you've been through a lot. You've learned lots of, we're going to talk a little bit about it, all of the things that uh, you've been through. Uh, we're going to talk about your new EP. You're going to let us play one of your awesome songs. And honestly, for everybody who's listening, you can find him on Spotify, Johnny Manuel, and uh, listen to some really good music or just deep dive on YouTube and you can see so much stuff, like your official videos and also all of the, you know, from, um, oh, goodness, The Voice to uh, America's Got Talent or is it England? Someone had talent. America's Got Talent. Yeah. And you were always uh, out there. And I think there's an oh, Eurovision as well. That's right. I did do Eurovision. Yeah. Do you, do you ever do so much stuff you forget what you've done? <laughs> no, <laughs> never. I do, I do forget how many songs I've recorded because there's just so, like I'll be going through a file or something and I'll hear like four or five songs that I completely have forgotten that I'd ever recorded. So I do that. Wow. Wow. You'll be like Bette Midler likes to talk about how she'll be on stage and she's been around for so long. She doesn't remember. She's like, I don't remember half the shit I've done or the lyrics to most of them. As long as she doesn't forget beaches, I'm good. Exactly. I know, but uh, she is uh, my goddess, let's be honest. Bette Midler is my goddess. If you ever get to meet her, Johnny, uh, I need you to call me. I've met you one time for five minutes. I still need you to call me. Will do. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, one of the things I want to talk about is your new uh, EP is called Younger Skin. That's right. You have, I believe there's four songs on it, correct? Yeah. Uh, And it's Crash, which is a great song. Um. Out of Time, The Others, which is a powerful message song for sure. Um, And again, and so like I said, you can go uh, check it out on uh, Spotify to listen to these great music and then buy them. That's what I want to say. Support indie artists. Support 
artists that give you some passion. But one of the things I want to say before we get into our discussion is Younger Skin, I believe, speaks a lot to uh, how you show up in your world, how we show up as who we are, because you talk about the reason for Younger Skin is because you're finally getting more comfortable with the, the person you thought you would become. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So like you said, I was signed when I was 14 is when I got my first contract with a major label. And I sort of just got swept up into the system. Um, and before I knew it, I'm from Flint, Michigan. And um, they had moved me and my family to LA to record a record. And then I lived in Atlanta and was recording in New York. And so I just got into this world. And then before I knew it, I was on tour. So I was touring with people like NSYNC for their Pop Odyssey thing. And, um, other so excited for that. Yeah, it was really, really exciting time. And then it all just sort of stopped. And I felt like it was so short lived and I never got a chance to sort of fully live out that dream. And um, I've been pursuing it ever since. <laughs> How in the world do you uh, go from you're doing it in America and now you're in you were in Australia and you were doing The Voice in Australia and then you were doing Eurovision? How? How? Oh, it's been a long journey, but um, I did America's Got Talent first. That was in 2017. Um, and I sang a Whitney Houston song. I sang I Have Nothing, and it went really viral. And after <clears throat> that happened, because, you know, like when I first got signed, there was no, like, internet. There was no, like, real social media platforms. And so once I did America's Got Talent, that's what happened. Social media really picked it up, and it went viral on YouTube and all these other places and then people around the world started hearing it and asking me to come and perform and one of the people was a producer from Bulgaria and asked me um, to do Eurovision with them in 2017, 18. And that was with a group called Equinox, right? Yeah, there were five of us. There were two Americans. So Trey, who wrote the song, is also American uh, and then we had to have Bulgarians on stage and so there were three Bulgarians with us. Nice. I have to say, Corey, so as you, because I sent Corey, because uh, he was coming on, I, I sent him your, your newest video, and you know, I want to get it. This is what I think is funny about what you just said. You're, he's like, well, when I started at 14, there was no, uh, you know, internet. Look at this wonderful man over here and uh, right? tell me. I, the whole time, was like, well, he's 20. And, and, so, and so this statement, I'm uh -huh. like, yeah. Well, and I'm, then touring with NSYNC, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Like I went to like three of their tours when exactly. I was, you know, a baby. So like, okay. I'm like, so you went like as like a sperm, like, come on now. Like how old were you really? Right. Johnny was three years old and then it took him on. Uh, but you, I'm sure you get that a lot because it, it is, you've been at it for so long and you listen, we need a, we need to like release a skincare regime and uh, cause, cause I, I need it. <laughs> I think it's just jeans. People always tell me I look really young, but my mom looks really yeah. young. Um, and I just think that's what it is, really. Right. That is the worst answer ever there is for a those phrase of us. That I won't say. But <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. We all we all know what you're thinking. Well, let's get into uh uh you know, referencing this younger skin and this why was it important to you to be vulnerable and to show up as who you are more with this EP? Then, then you had mentioned in interviews, then you felt like you were able to prior. Yeah, a lot of people ask me when they hear me saying, okay, you've been doing this a really long time and you're obviously very talented. Why do you think it hasn't happened for you? Um, and a lot of why I believe personally it didn't happen for me is because I'm gay. 
Um, and I think R&B music was at the root of it. And there's a real stigma around black male artists singing R&B music as gay men. I've never seen an out and open gay black man do R&B music. I've never seen it. Um, right. And so I think it was, you know, a bit of that for me. And so this time in my life where I am now, you know, completely out and very proud and married and happy and there is just no way around me being honest, right? And telling my story truthfully, truthfully but I'd never gotten that opportunity. Um, and so I felt like with younger skin, it was, it was imperative that I do that. Um, if I'm going to give it a real go, I mean, I've never stopped trying, right? But I feel like now it's different. I feel like this time around, it's really, I'm, um, I don't know, the needle has been moved in a way where I don't feel like it can be turned back. Like it's, you know, it's, this train is moving. And so I'm very, I'm very, very happy that from the inception, and I really truly do feel like this is the inception of Johnny Manuel as an artist. Um, it was, it was imperative that I was honest and I was truthful and I told my story in a way that um, I could be proud of and, you know, not hide anything. And I think that's amazing. And so let's really, let's dig into it. Uh, Corey, I sent you this, just a sentence. Typically, I send you like a ton of articles. I just said, representation matters. How do you show up? So let's just start with why does it matter to you personally in your life? Why does it matter? It's one of those things that, that and again, I'm still shocked that you're not 12 years old. So I, I know we have to recover. But you know, it's one of those things that, that I often say that I wish that I, I want to be the person that I didn't have. I didn't have... A, a queer male icon to look up to. I not. I, oh my god! I did not call myself an icon. I did not do that. Um, I did not have. <laughs> well, any, for some of us, you are our icon. I didn't it. have a positive queer role model to look up to. Um, to the fact that, like, I had actually had a gay grandfather that I didn't know he was gay until I came out ten years after he passed because my parents didn't think that that they, well, they hid it from us. And yeah. you know that would have been super powerful. To me, as, as a kid growing up, without a lot of queerness in the media, me not being able to identify what this thing is that's different about me than everyone else, aside from um, the negative stereotypes or the slurs, that kind of stuff. Uh, and now I just I want to have a younger generation that, I mean, kids are coming out at 10, 11, 12, if not younger. I would have been able to do that had I had the representation above me to right. show me who I was and that it was going to be okay. And talk about being comfortable in our skin. If we could have done that, or if we had the support at a younger age to do that, I think we would have made you know, you made that more comfortable in our skin. And speaking of this, is this kind of what you speak to in the others, which is your also on your EP? Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm saying that I feel like. I have a responsibility now. I, I owe it to my ancestors, the people that came before us that were brave enough to live out and proud back then. And for the ones who weren't able to do that, I feel like right. it's extremely important um, that we all, you know, use our voices and live in our truths and help the next generation of people. So it's absolutely, that's exactly what the others is about. Yeah. And, and just like for me, I always say, if I, I have born, was born with this want to be loud, I was born with this want to stand and, and make a stand for things, that if I have that in me, I don't have the right to lessen that and let it go. Because until everyone can stand up beside me, the ones of us that are loud and, and are willing to stand on platforms, then we need to keep doing it until 
those kids can do it. And I think, like you said, it's for, you know, Corey, you talk about uh, your grandfather you, you didn't even know. Mm-hmm. You know, Johnny's talking about his ancestors and doing it for, for those before him. We do it for those in our past in order to have a future. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's what I love about your EP is it's so vulnerable, um, but it's not easy. So why then do you think it matters, especially in the entertainment industry? Why does it matter? Why is it important to show up, to represent? Well, I think it's like what you just touched on, right? Because there's the generation of people coming after us that need for us to open these doors and, you know, I mean, it's like Little Nas X, right? Like I yeah. admire and respect so much of what he's been able to do and accomplish in his career um, because you are seeing more and more people being comfortable in their skin and coming out and being able to do it. I mean, I'm older than he is, but I still felt a sense of empowerment by watching him be brave enough to live it and just be out there and open. And, you know, it, it, I think that's why it's important. I think. It matters because I get messages all the time saying thank you and I'm an artist as well and I was told that I would have to hide this part of myself in order to do it and I'm seeing you do it and now I'm knowing that I can do the same thing so that's why I think it's important. Well and in 2023 we still have managers and producers saying you know it's better for your career if you don't do this so for every Johnny Manuel for every Lil Nas X there is still a group of people that are told to hide who they are. Well, you brought up two in with InSync. Look at Lance Bass. Right? Lance yeah, Bass. Back then, yeah. InSync's done and over. Yeah. His career is pretty much, I mean, I shouldn't say is, is over because, right. you know, he is still doing things, but definitely not during not during the InSync days oh, would no. he have been able to come out. <laughs> and I don't know which one of the Backstreet Boys is still yet to come out, but I, I know. mean, I know statistically, who I it has to be half of one, right? <laughs> I, I have my, my curious, and I'm still waiting for Justin. I know he's got kids and it's married, but you know, it could happen. <laughs> That's just a dream. That's Justin. a dream. Oh, is that what that shoot? Yeah. It's a goal. It's not a dream. It's a goal. And I want to say this next part, you're going to hear a voice uh, out of the ether because uh, Tom Campbell is on the board, so he's behind you. Uh, but this next question, I want to start with you, Tom, because I wrestled with how do I kind of frame the questions. Uh, we have, we've had talks on this show before. When you go to work, you have a, a specific way you, you want to be, and you don't want to like be like, hey, here's my resume, and it tells you how long I've been gay, and you know what I mean? And so one of my questions I wrote down was, how do we reconcile a person's right to their privacy against a need to be seen? And Tom, what is that like for you? Because you're in this room, we're loud, we're, but you know, you, you have a different way. Right. Right. So I'm just curious. For me, I, my priority is making sure that my life doesn't get interrupted and ruined by me being out. And that could happen depending on the people I'm around and the jobs I take and I have to take, you know, the path I decide in my life. So that's priority number one. And even if you're a public figure, taking care of yourself is priority number one. So I think to me, people come out when they're ready. There's no obligation to come out. There, sh- there shouldn't be pressure on right. people to come out if they're not right. ready. That's just right. the general rule to me. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest. I think uh, the three of us come from a day when like uh, Michelangelo Sr. really was out there outing people. That was his big thing. That was when uh, forced outing was the hot button topic because he would just like speak out of turn in my opinion. And it was this. Here's the thing that I think. Uh, As long as those of us who are loud and unafraid, 
we shouldn't just respect those that are on a different journey, but we should be louder so that it can balance that, so we can be seen more. Because it's not fair. It wouldn't be fair for me to sit in this room week after week after week and be like, oh, Tom. You know what I mean? That's not right. Tom has a life, and he's right, mental health. Listen, we don't take care of it enough. I am your poster boy. Um, but I was trying to uh, think of we have to be – I was having this conversation today with a, an older gentleman in the queer community, and we have to find a way to respect each other. You know what I mean? We do need to be seen, but there's an army of us. You know what I mean? I do think there's an exception to the actually I will even say to respecting someone's privacy in that. Yeah. Like I look at like Aaron Shock, the the representative. Right. You do not get to be a closeted queer man and fight against us at yeah. the same time. If you are and looking I will out to you hurt so us. goddamn quick if yeah. that's what you're doing. Also because Lady no. G, yeah. you know. Yeah, you yeah. just you that's yeah. <laughs> that goes against it all. And I yeah. will you you lost your your privacy at that point if if that is what it is. And I am with you. If they are coming for us, if they if they are a gay man and they're closeted and yet they're they're coming after us, uh, in a in all a way to harm, then yeah, yeah then yeah. all bets are off. I'm I'm with that. I mean, I think that's where queer nation back in the eighties. Uh, a lot of it was like they were tired. They were mm-hmm. tired of the people who said that they they cared. Uh, treating us bad so they got militant now listen i am a dainty flower and i can't i don't want to get militant but i will get fucking loud you know what i mean to do this so that's, that's a our very power good now point. though that's yeah. what that's the power we have is yeah. to do that you know where i'm fortunate enough that you're you bring me on to this podcast for I love it. the 803rd time so that yeah. i can be loud no matter how many well, people complain and- I just, <laughs> And my question is, I, I maybe you'd answer this. I was focusing on the board, so sure, I'm sorry. Sure, sure. No did worries. did um was that a thought on your end when you were getting into music? Were you too young to really process that? I like what you know what what was that like for you deciding if that detail would be public? Um, and then do you regret the, how things kind of went from there? It's hard to hear him because he is fine. Oh sure. So he's basically saying, you know, you started so young. Uh, so basically you're coming into your own and figuring out your queer identity or, or gay or however you identify. Was that difficult? And do you ever go back and go, I regret some of the, some of the decisions I made like being out. Yeah. Being out at all. Like when did that, that moment come where you're like, Oh no, I'm gay. And I'm going to just, you know what I mean? Oh, it was definitely difficult. I've always known I was gay. I was talking to my husband about it before because he said he didn't really understand until maybe high school that he was gay and I have as far back as I can remember I've known um and I've also known because I grew up you know in the Christian church in Michigan that you don't speak of it um it was sort of that love the sinner hate the sin and it I it really got uh, impacted me once I was signed because there were adults at the record label people that I looked up to who had done this for years saying to me you can never tell anybody this. Like, this is something that you will have to hide forever, right? Um, and so I I did, I did exactly that. And we just never spoke about it. It was, it was very interesting. They also, you know, set me up on dates with girls and had people take photographs of us so that it looked like whatever, it was a thing. And it really messes with your psyche. It wasn't until years later, I decided on my own to move to San Francisco completely just chill out from the business for a while um, and have the experience. And, and I, ha- I was guided. I had um, gay men who were a bit older than I was to sort of like help me throughout the process. And then I moved to New York and 
met more wonderful queer people who supported me and helped me through the situation. And I'm just now arriving at the point where, I mean, like even last year, there were managers and stylists and stuff telling me that I couldn't wear certain things and I couldn't sound wow. a certain way. Um, you know, it's, 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 well, it was 2021 that happened, but it was just really interesting to me that um, we've come so far and yet, you know, we really haven't. Like they, they people yeah. say, oh no, it's fine now because we have Little Nas X and because we have Sam Smith and because huh. and it's like, it's actually not. I, I still face with homophobia all the yeah. time in the, in the record industry, so. And, and just like I was saying, uh, it doesn't matter. There can I love that, that people always think in the industry they're like, well, there's three people, there's three queer people. We don't need anybody else, you know. Well, and there's like... about 500 million of them. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, come on, how many gay actors in Hollywood out actors are there? Exactly. There's not. There's there's and so many. The 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 part of Hollywood that is still so so discriminatory. They can they can limit your career. I was just watching. Um, of course, uh, where is it? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh my God, that was so good. One of the actors on it is an Asian actor, Kei Hui Kwan. Uh, he was he was in the Temple of Doom. He was in the Goonies. He's oh, that was him. Things. That was him, and he. I saw him on I a round he was a table. Lawyer now. Uh, no, he no a different. Uh, the uh, other the Goonies chunk. guy, Chunk, Truffle is the lawyer. It's actually gotcha. Chunk is actually his lawyer. Um, but he said <laughs> That's amazing. he his dream was to always act. But there is, it's been 40 years since the Goonies, and it isn't until now that he's able to come back in. He, he gives a lot of credit to Crazy Rich Asians, to Easter Sunday. He goes, and it's all he ever wanted to do, but no one wanted to talk to him because he wasn't. And look, he wins a Golden Globe, you know, all these 40 years later. But, and that's the thing I, I, I want people to understand. It's not just, you know, queer people. It is Asian people. It's uh, you know Latin American people. It's we have this. Well, this then you thing. have someone like Johnny with intersectionality. Of your, I mean, it's a double whammy, really. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're you're a black queer person, so it's like you have all that extra that's yeah. that's working against you. Do you, yeah. at this point in your career, do you spend waste any energy on noticing it, or do you still notice it and it's still a challenge? Um, I'm surrounded, me and my entire team, I think is queer. I don't think there's anybody that works around me that's not queer and we all, and we all face it every single day. And it's something that we would love to not have to deal with or face on a daily basis, but we just do because my manager is going into meetings with these executives and is faced with the same thing that I'm faced with as an artist. You know, people won't take him seriously because he's a queer man, you know, even though he's been doing this for years and is right. extremely bright. It's a thing. Yeah, I definitely. And then we're also met with a lot of, interestingly, interestingly enough, like also here in Australia, it's a lot of, oh, we don't really play that tempo of music or, you know, oh, oh. <laughs> it's um. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, racism and homophobia is very much still alive and depressing. And, and they use coded words. And I have to say, I hadn't heard that one before, but I'm going to keep my ear out. We don't really play that tempo of music. Oh, okay. And you're like, this is a four on the floor. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Well, and you know what's even more funny is these, uh, a lot of them, these cis white men that are running entertainment. And I want to always be like, you. Do they? Does someone need to send them a memo? Because they're actually in the minority. It isn't the other way around. But for some reason, 
they have attained this power to where they don't give a shit. You know what I mean? It's going to be their way. And you're going to thank them if they allow you to exist in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And I have to say, I, it makes a lot of sense that you said your whole team is queer because we're getting all these great emails and I'm reading things and I'm like, they are so supportive. <laughs> I was excited because I've been in this game for a little while. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, I got you. I understand. So I do, I do have a question about with the music industry because I look at, you know, um, in, in the arts in general, whether, you know, it's you, you're painting as your medium or, or acting. And, and like one of the big pushes has been um, representation in in gay roles. Oh, Why are we really? having heterosexual actors playing queer characters? Right. And then you have someone like Billy Eichner, which that movie was amazing. Uh, so good. But casting yeah. queer people in queer roles. And I mean, you don't hear queer anthems <laughs> in music. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, not, there's not a lot you of do. that. There's a separate whole list that <laughs> we don't hear about but in it's, mainstream. It's, yeah. There's not, there's not, I can't, is it, what would you think is like the comparison to um, really making sure that queer artists in the music industry are put on the forefront in that area. Is it like when we go to Pride and we hear Cher and, and, yeah, and the dance? Cindy like, Lauper. Why don't we have, like, is it that that's where, like, because Lil Nas X is the top of all those playlists in right. the, the last couple of years. Is that, would you say that would be a fair comparison? Is that, you know, who we're playing in clubs or who we're, we're making, like, the face of Pride and that kind of stuff? Who we're rising up. Who are rising up to, to lift the queer artists in the music industry? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a pretty fair comparison. I think it's important for us like you say, to support each other and, and, you know, like amplify each other's voices. How do we create more of this amazing music that we, we, we lift up and they're on the top of the charts with like Lil Nas X and, and uh, Cher? Is it, is one of those things as we need to as a community, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Community to have them be the ones played in the club, ha lift them up there so it has more airplay. Absolutely. I think it's, I think that's the key. Honestly, because there have been so many times where, um, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who are queer artists and they have incredible music and their projects were out before mine and nobody hears them. They fall upon deaf ears and I'm out and I'm hearing this other music and I'm like, why couldn't this be, you know, at Pride and in these settings where it would be really wonderful if it was, you know, mainly queer artists that we were hearing. I mean, but come on, I love Kylie. I love Cher. I oh, know. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. We but love them. You look at, but... and, and I mean, this is going to be so controversial and you're going to get hate mail. Oh, I'm But I was I'm so in. pissed that Taylor Swift became like a queer icon because she had drag queens in a music video. Like, yeah, come on That's now. what did it. Well, you know what it was is I think we were so thirsty to feel welcome. Yeah. And she showed welcome and people were like, woo. And I'm not going to discount the support from her in any right, way whatsoever, right. but that I equate to a straight person playing a queer role. Interesting. Well, and this she, she used to be the secular Mormon like, uh -huh. popular music yeah. choice. And then well, as soon was, as she started, she was young well, like now, you like, were. She Katy was Perry started as a Christian artist. As soon as she, as soon as Taylor Swift went to, you know, went away from country, the, yeah. the Mormons kind of lost interest in her. So, so do you think that brings up a good, uh, an interesting point. Do you think that also we as a queer community, however we identify in that umbrella, um, shoot ourselves in the foot sometimes? You know, like we stop other artists and and sometimes I, I hate to say it, but call them self-hating gays or whatever, I feel are also part of this because I've, you know, I've met them. Uh, do you think that plays a part? Yes. <laughs> 
This is my favorite thing. So you people can't, you will see him on camera, but the look on your face. I see it. I can see like, your face oh. even though you can't see me. Yeah. And it is cracking me up every reaction that you're having. There was there was a whole conversation that just happened in your head that how do I, how do I say what I want to say? And then you, you, and the way you say it is, yeah, yes, I do. I do. I absolutely do. And um, I have conversations, you know, I'm at parties and have conversations with people who are, as you say, these self-hating gays, and they do have negative things to say about queer actors, queer artists, you know, in different ways. And it's like, it's very interesting because you're part of the problem. Um, yes. Yeah. And so I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's hard enough when we are fighting uh, a mainstream uh, uh, cis white system that's been there and then add on part of our own community and it is at, at times uh, it can kick you in the balls to be honest it can just take you down but I feel like and correct me if I'm wrong by surrounding yourself with queer uh, creative energy um, it allows you to not get taken down as easily at least not in attitude because it takes a lot of fortitude to keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing yeah so that is yeah, the absolutely. that's the key i think it's definitely the key a lot of like i'm going into sessions for my second project i have four songs recorded already but i'm yes. working with queer other queer songwriters queer producers queer musicians and i just i'm surrounding myself in it because i think it's important and also these people are fucking talented it's just yeah. you know and as long as the music is great and I don't understand why we couldn't have right. all queer musicians and queer producers and songwriters. On it's, it's funny because people act like uh, as artists in the queer community, we're not going to have quality on the foremost of our, you know, just like everybody else, we want to put out good music, good, good uh, creative all things. All the people that say, well, why does it matter? I mean, if they're the best of the job, they're the best. Of the job. Oh. What matters is because this big part of who our identity is, yeah. is part of the reason we haven't been able to make it or part of the reason that we were held back. Yeah. So yeah, it's very important to lift each other up because we weren't given all of those opportunities or we were held back because of them. Right. Well, and you guys, we, we mentioned the, the wonderful divas that, that we have, you know, worshiped and loved for so long. I think because for a very long time, that was our only option. We needed to find something we connected to. Women who were going to be loud and be strong and let out this good music, we're going to put our energy there. And now I love them all, and they, they need to share the stage. Gaga, I love you yeah. now. And, they, and here's the thing. Most of them know exactly who their big fan base is, and they're willing to be like, hey, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to share the stage with you. Gaga's great at that. But all of them are. You know what I mean? And I think, I mean, don't get me started on Kylie. I have a friend who will fly anywhere in the world when she does. And I mean anywhere. He's been to so many of her concerts. So these amazing icons that we have, now it's time to create our own, our own icons that are queer based. And I think that we need to hold those other, the, our current icons accountable for that. Yeah. That they are the ones with the platform and the ability to help us. Yeah. And if you really want to call yourself an ally, then that's what you need to have on the first and foremost. Exactly. Is yes. if you know a talented queer artist and you have the stage, then you share that. Yeah. Because you can't you you can't say I'm I'm a queer ally and then say yeah, but I'm not going to share with you. Yeah. And that happens. That happens a lot. Uh, I wanted to ask when you did uh, <laughs> when you did the Whitney song. 
that had millions upon millions of views. Oh my God, I also YouTube. remember seeing that. Yeah. I oh, remember seeing that. And I'm just kind of like a little fangirling right now. Right. Just a little bit. <laughs> and I'm going to go home and blast that like over and over again. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and remind me, because I don't remember what year it was. Was Whitney still alive at that time? She was not. No, it was no. 2017. <gasps> She was listening and with you. Because I was like, what did she say? Because probably one of the greatest voices I think we've ever seen was, yeah. I don't know how we ever have another one. I mean, there's some great voices out there. But, um, oh, I was really hoping maybe it was like 15 when you were 15 or something. (laughs) Just to have the Whitney, the Whitney part of all that thing. Um, So... Uh, you know, we talk about, you know, showing up in our lives, whether that whether we're awesome pop stars or we're sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> you're an am- or you're an amazing lender. And I just I just am whatever, whatever <laughs> I am. Um, but I like to think about the overall queer community. Is it I don't think it's ever easy anywhere. Every day that I get up, I have to make the decision of how I'm going to show up. And I will say Sometimes I'm like, Jonathan, why did you and your producer name it the Core Centric? Because sometimes I wear the T-shirt at the grocery store and I forget. And people have, you know, certain opinions about things. So every day I have to decide, am I going to show up as who I, I am today? And I think it doesn't matter what walk of life we do. It's hard. How do you, you know, when you're not surrounded by, by the people who love you, when you're not with your husband and you're just out in L.A., which is its own world, are there still moments that you're like, oh, my goodness, I have to choose to show up right now? Yes. Um, <laughs> interestingly for me, it's when I'm at the barbershop. Um, really? Yeah, because the conversations... A lot of times, I have the perfect example, actually. I was in the barbershop in LA. This was um, maybe 2021. I was there working. And someone was watching. They had like YouTube clips playing in the background. And my video came up, the Whitney Houston song. And I guess they didn't realize that it was the same person or something. And one of the barbers said, oh my God, this guy has a great voice, which was a really awkward thing to sit through because then another guy said, oh, have you seen this audition of his and have you seen this? So they started playing different auditions and I'm there and I'm actually getting my haircut at the the time. And these were younger barbers. And then one of the guys said, yeah, but you can hear that he's gay. And then someone else was like, oh, well, I didn't know he was an F word. And someone else was like, well, why does it matter? And it was this whole thing. And so I sat there and I was like, whoa, like this is one of those moments where, you know, I obviously have to say something. How do I go about this? And um, so I just said, actually, that's me singing. And he was like, no, it's not. And there was this thing, this moment of shock on his face. And I was like, I'm definitely gay. And, And then it was just silent. And then I got my hair cut. And it was just silent. And then my barber goes, I've never heard someone sing like that. And then people started talking about the talent right. and a different thing. But I just remember my heart beating out of my chest because I don't think that was the most confronting moment I think I've ever had in having to show up for myself <laughs> as right. a representation of our community. You know, it was 
So yeah, sometimes, but it's been years, like for years, I remember conversations were had in the barbershop and it was always about, you know, gay black men and F word this and blah, blah, blah. And it was just, I sat there in silence a lot of times out of fear and, and oh, yeah. not knowing what to say. So it did feel good to be in a space where I could speak up in that way. In right. that moment. And what courage, like, first of all, did you ever go back? Yeah, I did. <laughs> you did. You did. That's even more courage. But I think it's so funny. I think there is a... That's why the representation matters, though, is that yes. you were in a place that you were comfortable enough and felt safe that you could... Yeah, I my heart is pounding as you're telling that story. Right. And But the idea that you you were comfortable enough just saying in a public space, yeah, that's me, and yeah, I'm gay. Yeah. I yeah. remember that I would be terrified for that. And it was a, a friend of mine at their wedding before we could get married here. Yeah. They got married in Vancouver at, or at Victoria in Canada. Yeah. And what he had said at his wedding was, when you come out, it's every person that, that supports you becomes a rope in the safety net. Yeah. And at some point, you build a brick wall behind you. Yeah. And, but you can't do that without the representation and the support of others. Yeah. And, and that's true. And I think that's why when we look, listen, we have a, a long way to go, <laughs> but thank God we've come where yeah. we've come. And do you also think, uh, I think about, they were so bold in their opinions and it's because there was an anonymity because they didn't know you were there. You know what I mean? And that I think is the problem right now with social media and society and everything is it offers this anonymity. So these people are saying it doesn't, they don't have to have any proof in what they're saying. They don't, they get to be as ugly as they want to be. And then that moment where you stand up and say, no, that's me. And I am gay. So (laughs) forces them to have to go, you know, oh, maybe I'm an asshole and now I have to like look at this and I'm so glad they were willing to hear you. But I think that's... That conversation is happening in a million other locations yeah. at the same time yeah. without someone there to speak up for it. Yeah. And it's not just like, Tom, you go to a barbershop to get your haircut, right? I do. Yeah. You go to so... that one. <laughs> Which one? The man shop? Uh-huh. You no. go to the man. Okay, oh. I've been there. I, I don't always go there. <laughs> that, that's Very what right. I equated. I don't I know. I hate the man shop. Johnny, wait, there's a, it's literally called the man shop, and it's yeah. it's like the the it's all women that cut. And it's kind of like Hooters for yes. for barbers. Yeah, and and all of their tool, all of their clippers are in tool belts. Yeah, they all kind of wear like. Little tank tops. Listen, it's my brother's There's a pool dream, table, I think, there. No. It's yeah. very, like, it's yeah. so hyper-masculine. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's and what I, I pictured happening when you're sitting at your barber shop. That is, that is the white equivalent, is the yes. man shop. <laughs> yes. It's a true statement. Well, Tom, what is your... Because, you know, it's a culture, I think. Uh, barber shops are a very specific culture under themselves. Tom, when you go, what do you feel? What's it like for you? My my default setting is acting straight, and you know, yeah. t- until yeah. I really get the feel that it's mine too. Mine too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so my my default is acting straight, and there actually is a um, there's a shop called Quicks uh, in Spokane, and I think the way they market themselves is they're they're basically a black barber shop, but they'll cut white people's hair, you know, like so, oh, and, and they do a really what great a marketing job. campaign. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the that's basically it seems their specialty is black yeah. hair. So yeah, I, I've been in there and they do a really good job. They're really affordable, but I depending on their conversation, I mean, the guys are really cool and they're really down right, to earth, right. and I've never. I've never felt like there's any risk there. So right. some of them know I'm gay. I don't know if they yeah. talk around with each other, but some of them know I'm Next gay. Next time you go and yeah. invite me, yeah. we'll find out real quick. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I- <laughs> Queer-centric on location. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here we are. Um, but these are the things, the spaces we exist in, uh, and choosing to exist in spaces that maybe are not comfortable 
is part of the front lines. You know what I mean? Like, do you have spaces in your life, Corey, where you have to, like, it's a little harder. Have you seen the lending industry? Have you seen banking? <laughs> I mean, do you yeah. know who runs banking? Old white dudes. Yes, that's true. And, and that's I true. mean, it's privilege. I'm a yeah. white dude. And that's, yeah. that's, that is, but I also like right now, and Johnny, you can't say, I'm a white dude with bright purple hair. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. I'm kind of wearing it out. Uh, it, but, I, that's kind of part of my representation now is, yeah, yeah. is I'm going to this place is I'm successful in my business. I, yeah. I'm good at what I do. I've been around for a while and I am unapologetically queer everywhere that I go. Right. Not, right. And, and it's not the forefront of who I am, but for the same reason that, that like I joined the IMBA, that's one of our local queer business alliances. Um, right. the, that I put my pronouns on my business cards and in my email signature because yes, I'm he, him, but People see that that may not identify as right. binary, or right. that, or there, and the representation makes them feel comfortable. And then the wrong people don't even see that, right? Yeah, that's not even. So yeah. I can, I can. It's, it's, you know, the, it's like signal, and yeah. it's, it's really nice. But again, I have the privilege of I'm still a white dude. Yeah. Do you know? Talk about signals. You know, we, uh, gay men kind of evolved from different ways of letting people know. Did you know that it used to be a paperclip? on your collar would let others know that you were gay. This was like 30 or 40. Wait, I have to check my age. Hold would on. that be like pre-earring? Maybe it's 50 years ago. It might be 50 years ago. Remember the earring thing. This was pre-earring. And then the Because men of, shouldn't yeah. wear an earring because that automatically mm -hmm. made them feminine. We have been signaling to each other how to exist. Right? You got two. You are comfortable and out. <laughs> I, and you better because you're married. So Wait, two two earrings or two paper clips? <laughs> Both. That is how out he is. He's gonna put some paper clips on now. It's a whole thing. Um You know, I have a paperclip lapel pin. Wait, is that serious? I do. Oh, and that I, is amazing. I just I literally I just saw it and I was like, oh that's cute. Yeah. So I'm mean, not even knowing this and I still bought it. <laughs> right? So I think I mean and let's talk as we actually this is a really good time for us to talk about uh the the single that we get to play of yours, which I'm super excited for all of our, our listeners who get to hear this. Uh, wonderful. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Out of Time? Yeah, sure. Out of Time, we wrote, I wrote it in LA with Aiden LaPrette and Misha Mandel. Um, we wrote it about my journey in the industry. And as the years go by, they start to pile up, and I wonder if I've, if I've run out of time in order to make this dream come true sort of thing. And I've tried so hard. I've traveled all over the world trying to, you know, make it happen. And so that's really what the basis of the song is. I think that's amazing. So everybody, uh, we're going to take a brief break and listen to Johnny Manuel, Out of Time. So 
And I couldn't call nobody All I heard were empty sorries And I only see more clearly I pictured all the things that are for me Now I'm on my way and slowly Was so good. I'm just amazed I love it. at how. Also, uh, you get you get writing credit on every song on your EP. That's a big deal. And yeah, I in write LA. on every song that I record now. I think the big deal is you get credit for it because I, I a lot of artists will write on the songs and then the labels like Mm-mm. <laughs> we're gonna say it was written by Christina Aguilera and you didn't have anything to do with it. I yeah. have such protection now. I have such a great management team and a PR team, and um, you know they they would they look after me. So I definitely get credit on everything. That's amazing. I think that's amazing. I have to say, you mentioned uh, uh, what out of time was like that that moment or those those moments really where you sit and you go, oh, uh, you know, did I wait too long or is it too far? And I have to tell you, what I love about your music is it's very relatable. Like just today, before I even got this uh, song to know that we were going to play it, I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, sometimes I wonder if I've overstayed my welcome. So every artist has those moments. Everybody who is creative and pushing, pushing, pushing those moments of, is this it? Is it, is there, uh, is there an expiration date? Uh, And in Hollywood, I think they would like us to think there is, but there really isn't. I've unsubscribed. I don't believe in it anymore. I used to because I got signed so young. And, you know, when I was like 20, they were like, well, you only got a couple years left, so you better figure it out. And it's like, (laughs) it's so hard to really think about that and think that that's, I feel like I'm just now like reaching my peak and sort of like I'm getting my stride, especially with my songwriting and my creativity. I feel like now I'm sort of finally living in my skin and, and, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm just getting started. I know I've said that a couple of times, but it's really, truly how I feel. I feel like this is the inception for me. And from here on out, it's going to be, it's just going to get better. So 
Now, if you haven't already, when are you going to write that song, Inception? I think it's a great title. So <laughs> just put my name in the thank you notes. I was going to say, fun. now you need credit. <laughs> <laughs> All I need is, a, oh, I was this weirdo. I was on his show, and this is what he said. Um, I have to say, as we begin to wind down uh, the show, I did want to do, I like to ask a question for everybody in the room. Uh, how? How do we be better in our community to support each other who are choosing to show up as their authentic selves and respecting those who, who this is not their, their thing? So, Corey, what would you say? Just to continue to do it, you know? And, and I think that, that what we all need to do is push our own comfort. You have to push your own comfort. And whatever level that is, whether it be that you just tell someone, one day that you're gay that coming out is pushing people's comfort um if it's going to a queer event if it's supporting a queer owned business um to the point that you know if you tell someone at a barbershop yeah i'm gay you know it's pushing your own comfort and supporting recognizing and and applauding those that do that um and and hopefully that it'll just spread from there and people continue to i love that i love that uh johnny in your very unique um experience uh, uh, in, in industries that we're not in and, and all of this, a uh, very high profile stuff, how would you, how would you encourage people to continue to show up? Yeah, I think just being your authentic self in whatever moment that you're in, allowing yourself the, um, like to accept wherever you are at. Like I have a friend who's still in Michigan in Grand Rapids who recently, who has a wife and children and who recently said, I am gay. I'm not ready to tell anyone else but I needed to tell someone and you're that person. And I was very happy that they felt comfortable enough to come to me and say that. And you don't need to tell anyone else right now. Like it's your, everyone's, you know, you have to go at your own pace and it's really, really important that you do that. But, you know, for me personally, it's because I'm in this certain space, I have to show up as myself, as authentically and as brave as I can be in, in the moment that I'm in, you know, and allow myself that space. Which, and as an artist, I mean, it's the only way to be authentic. And so yeah. the struggle is 10 times more when you're trying to be something that you're, that you're not. Tom, what would you say to people? Uh, can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> How would you encourage people to continue to show up in their lives in whatever space uh, that they inhabit? Um, I mean, I guess part of being sort of a... a um, what's the word for it? A voice for your community is not getting too comfortable you know, and that's not yeah. a fun answer. It's just, yeah, yeah not if you really want to push progress um, and say, say to your, be able to say to yourself that you've done everything you can, you got to get outside your comfort zone and you got to right. get other people outside their comfort zone. Yeah. And that's not always fun, but um, that's how progress has always happened is people yeah. being really uncomfortable, really yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually they realize, I guess this isn't life or death. I guess I'm fine. Right. Yeah. Which is what we all hope. I like, so you had mentioned uh, growing up in the Christian church. So my dad was a Southern Baptist minister. So this is how my mom reacts to me because now I have a show that has a word she won't say. <laughs> so she'll centric? always, yeah, centric. That's the, that's the, and she's just like, oh yeah, I heard about your show. Your my brother, show. My brother listened and she's like, I've heard about your show, but I don't think I'll listen. I'm like, that's okay. It's probably not your audience. Uh, but that's, but, and I would say the same thing. It's, uh, for me, it is always going to be a daily choice. We find ourselves, listen, when I moved back to Spokane from LA, it's a very, it's way more conservative than I think I allowed myself to remember. 
And so that means, and I'm like, I want to be super loud in this town. And that means you keep showing up. And every day I have to remind myself, there's a reason and it's okay. And I'm going to wear my sweatshirt. or I'm going to wear my t-shirt and you have to keep going. You know what I mean? I think that's the key is you have to keep going. So I have to say thank you to everybody in this room. I love really good conversations. I love deep conversation. I love dissecting them. And I love that this time uh, we also were able to bring in uh, the artist, you know, doing wonderful work out there because art is meant to reflect the society that it's in. And I don't think we've allowed it as much as we should. And so now artists like you, Johnny, are, are doing that. And more and more are showing up and saying, this is who I am. And the more we do it, maybe the more we'll be allowed to do it. Eventually, you know, the, the powers that be have to, you know, they're going to break to society. So when society starts, you know, being more forthcoming and celebrating, uh, that's how that goes. Now, uh, before we wrap up, just a, a business of our show. Remember, speaking of which, uh, if you're watching or you're listening, you know that on February 25th, we are doing uh, That's Entertainment, which is our live show and it's all it's going to feel a lot like watching going to Kimmel or watching Fallon so it's a late night show that Spokane can take a lot of pride in and it's the the big queer guy is going to be right at the front um and we ask you we need your support so we need you to show up I need 250 people so we're going to agree in this room we're going to get 250 people there it's coming we're planning every single day and we're very excited to bring that to you remember the show uh, it self-drops every Tuesday. You can catch the video podcast version every Friday. And uh, follow us on socials. We're having a lot of fun. So uh, until next time, everybody, 